following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is Pentecost Sunday, the day when the church observes and remembers the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, and you will hear that story shortly. Um, but let me tell you about our tradition. And to tell you about our tradition, I have to tell you a little bit of the story, so hopefully I won't spoil it for somebody else. Um, but on the day of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit descended on the church. They had all been gathered together in one place. Uh, and the Spirit descended on them, and there's this kind of wild picture of tongues of fire resting on people's heads. And people begin to speak in all kinds of languages. Um, this was a multicultural city, and so many, many languages were spoken. And when people started to speak in these other languages miraculously, all who were gathered there heard the gospel proclaimed in their own tongue. And uh, the, um, the beauty of this moment, I'm at risk of, of giving a sermon today, which I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> the beauty of this moment, I think, echoes, it reverberates, it permeates our life together as the church. We are people uh, who are post-Pentecost, or we ought to be, which means that, as I said earlier, um, we know that God shows no partiality, that God's Spirit descends on everybody, on, on whoever He will. And, um, you know, the, the fulfillment of the prophet Joel is, is noted by the apostles in the moment that in those days God's, God will pour out His Spirit on all people, sons and daughters, young and old, people from all tribes and nations. This is the picture of the church that we get on the day of Pentecost. And so, what we do on Pentecost Sunday is try to embody that a little bit. Try to, try to represent a little piece of that, and we do that a few ways. We try to capture the language part of it, and we try to capture the uh, everybody, the, son, the spirit descends, and sons and daughters, and old men and can dream dreams, and all the, all the prophesy, all that stuff. So we do that this way. We have um, scripture passages which are assigned on Pentecost Sunday by the Revised Common Lectionary. And we will have those passages read aloud in uh, other languages. Languages that are not English, which means that for most of us it won't be our first language. And uh, we hope that that kind of gives a little picture of, of the multilingual aspect of the day of Pentecost. And then, following that, we have different people who will come up and share a brief devotional reflection on those passages. And so they'll be reread in English for those of us who don't speak the other languages or even understand them. And in that way, we hope to embody the idea that God's Spirit can speak through everybody. And it doesn't just have to be the one with the, the fancy degree or the person who's the most learned or the person who happens to have the job, or whatever it might be. And so that's, uh, that is our Pentecost observance. And so what I'm going to do is get out of the way, and then what will follow is, uh, and I think it starts with, with Ben. Am I right? Is Ben coming first? Okay. Um, Ben's going to come up and read one of the texts in German, and from then on we're off to the races. Uh, and the people who are going to share will know that it's their turn to come up, and... Um, I have no idea what's, what's to come, and that's part of the, 
the beauty and fun of this day. So uh, let's celebrate Pentecost together in this way. Ben, why don't you come up and, and read our first reading. Guten Morgen. Also ich lese Apostelgeschichte, Kapitel 2, 1 bis 21. Und als der Tag der Finstink erfüllt war, waren sie alle beieinander an einem Ort. Und es geschah plötzlich ein Brausen von Himmel wie eines gewaltigen Windes und erfüllte das ganze Haus, das sie säßen. Und es geschienen ihnen Züngen, zerstellt wie von Feuer, und es setzte sich auf eine Jängliche unter ihnen. Und sie wurden alle voll von Heiligen Geistes und fingen an zu predigen in anderen Zungen, wie der Geist ihnen gab auszusprechen. Es werden aber Jüden von Jerusalem wohnen, die werden ge gottesfürchtige Männer aus aller Volk, das unter dem Himmel ist. Da nun dieses Stürme geschah, kam die Menge zusammen und wurde bestürzt. Denn ein jeder hörte sie in seine andere Sprache reden. Sie entstetzten sich aber, verwundete sich an Sprache. Sie sind nicht die alle, die da reden aus Galiläe. Wie hören wir denn ein jeglicher seine Sprache, darin wir geboren sind? Pater und Meder und Alamiter und die Verwohnen in Mesopotamia und auch Jüde und Kapotozin und Pontus und der Landschaft Eschen und Fürtchen und Famleflin und Ägypten und der Gegend von Libyen bei Kren und Ausländer von Rom. Juden und jungen Genossen, Kreta und Araber, wir hören sie in unseren Sungen, die großen Taten Gottes reden. Sie entsetzten sich, aber alle unfürden bestürzt und sprachen einer zum dem anderen, was soll es werden? Die anderen aber hatten ihren Spott und sprachen, sie sind voll süßen Weins. Da trat Petrus auf deinen Elf, erhob seine Stimme und redet zu ihnen. Er Juden, lieber Männer und alle, die ihr zu Jerusalem seid, das sei auch Kündigaten und lässt meine Worte zu euren Ohren eingehen. Denn diese sind nicht trunken. Wie ihr wartet, es ist doch erst die dritte Stunde am Tage, sondern das ist, was durch den Propheten Joel zuvor gesagt ist. Und es soll geschehen, in den letzten Tagen spricht Gott, da will ich ausgeziehen von meinem Geist auf alles Fleisch. Unser Sohn und den Tochter sollen Weissagen und eure Jünglinge sollen Gesichter sehen und eure Alten sollen Träume haben. Und auf meine Knechte und auf meine Mägde will ich in jeden Tage von meinem Geist ausgeziehen und sie wollen versagen. Und ich will Wunder tun, oben am Himmel und Zeichen unter auf Erden, Blut und Feuer und Rauchdampf. Die Sonne äh, soll sich verkehren in Finsternis und der Mund in Blut, ehe denn der größte Tage der Öfberang das Herrn kommt. Und soll geschehen, wer den Namen des Herrn aufruhen wird, so gerettet werden. If you want to read along in your um, Bibles, it's on page 885. This is Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking to the native language of each. Amazed and astounded, they asked, Are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to um, um, Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, in our own language we hear them, speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hi, I'm Alicia Almakinder. My husband and I started attending Artisan shortly after my father died in October of this last year. I needed communion. And I knew that you have that community service every single week. If I get this wrong, I hope you'll forgive me. Even as I asked Scott if I could take part in this task, I wondered about my sanity of standing in front of a group of very well-educated students of the Bible. Sort of like standing in front of a group of ministers at church when I've never been to a Bible school of any sort. I used to simply listen to the Bible in church and try to read it on my own at home. I'm grateful that during studio, Scott introduced me to something new. 
He taught me how to put scripture, like Acts 2, 1 through 21, into historical and social context. Because Scott taught me, I've used the Blue Letter Bible and Wikipedia to discover who authored Acts, when it was written, who it was written for, and why the author wrote it. I was surprised that both Luke and Acts were written by the same person. I'm curious as to why John got stuck in the middle. Bible historians believe that Luke and Acts were written anywhere from 60 to 100 years after Jesus' death. Perhaps Luke didn't personally know Jesus except from stories of other people. Luke and Acts were both written well after Jesus was on earth. The two books were written in Greek by Luke, a follower of Paul and Peter, who was well-educated, addressing his text to artisans and merchants, the working classes. It was suggested that one of the purposes of writing the history contained in the books of Luke and Acts may have been to minimize any perception of division between Paul and Peter. Paul preached to the Gentiles, and Peter preached to the Jews. I know that if I were to sit down and write a history of what I've learned about my family from my grandparents, mother and father, uncles and aunts, I would be hard-pressed to get every detail in the correct order. So if I compare the book of Acts and the book of Luke, there will be discrepancies. It is a history of memories learned and remembered over 60 years with the goal of leading people to a complete understanding of why Jesus walked among us. It excited me to read and reread the passage, realizing it was intended for non-Jews. It was intended for Gentiles like me. I do believe in the Holy Spirit and its availability to help me because I believe that Jesus Christ was sent to absorb my sin, teach me the way to lead my life, and that he is the Son of God. Acts 2 clearly was written for me, as it says in verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I am grateful, so very grateful. I can't do miracles, though my coworkers call me the computer whisperer. <laughs> I studied German for four years. I am unlikely to spontaneously speak that language, and I'm so grateful that Benjamin can read it. When I lived in a religious commune, associated with Reba House in Chicago, I did try to speak in tongues. It seemed so important. I never felt authentic. I don't have the ability to lay my hands on anyone to heal them, though I asked a doctor to do that when I broke my foot in three places 23 years ago. I wanted a miracle because I had two sons, ages two and almost four, waiting at home. Because of the writing by Luke to the Gentiles, I had the confidence that I could and did call out loud directly to God on 9-11 to protect me and every hair on my head as pieces of building fell on our cab, bouncing off around us after the first plane hit Tower 1. I believe that the Holy Spirit was with me because I saw the fireball erupt from our tower, Tower 2. I was with co-workers. I was not alone. I believe that the Holy Spirit has something to do with the fact that I was safely home here in Rochester that exact day, hugging my sons and my husband. 
I know that the Holy Spirit guides me as I recover from cancer cells found in my body just this past April. During Greenhouse, we did a mixtape exercise where we chose a song that was significant to us and told why. Before I even knew about the cancer, I was led to the right song during Greenhouse that has been extremely helpful to me. The first and last time I heard, God, you are my God, and ever will I praise you. It was sung by a woman I knew who later died of cancer. Because of your prayers, I have been surrounded by the right friends, cancer survivors, or women who are currently battling the same symptoms. Because of your prayers, I have the right doctors. Lord, hear your prayers. I also have access to the perfect treatment so the cancer cells cannot become active again like they were when I had surgery to remove them. The Holy Spirit can also move an arm and stretch out a finger of a Christian sister who I came to know during Greenhouse who gently poked me last week and whispered, you should do this. Bom dia. Eu vou estar lendo de 1 Coríntios, capítulo 12, 3 a 13. Portanto, vos quero fazer compreender que ninguém, falando pelo Espírito de Deus, diz, Jesus é anátema, ninguém pode dizer, Jesus é o Senhor, senão pelo Espírito Santo. Ora, a diversidade de dons, mas o Espírito é o mesmo, e a diversidade de ministérios, mas o Senhor é o mesmo. E há diversidade de operações, mas é o mesmo Deus que opera todo em todos. A cada um, porém, é dada a manifestação do Espírito para o proveito comum. Porque a um, pelo Espírito, é dada a palavra da sabedoria, e a outro, pelo mesmo Espírito, a palavra da ciência. A outro, pelo mesmo Espírito, a fé. A outro, pelo mesmo Espírito, os dons de curar. A outro, a operação de milagres a outro a profecia, a outro o dom de discernir espíritos, a outro a variedade de línguas, e a outro a interpretação de línguas. Mas um só e o mesmo espírito opera todas essas coisas, distribuindo particularmente a cada um como quer. Porque assim como o corpo é um e tem muitos membros, e todos os membros do corpo, embora muitos, formam um só corpo, Assim também é Cristo. Pois em um só Espírito fomos todos nós batizados em um só corpo, quer judeus, quer gregos, quer escravos, quer livres. E a todos nós foi dado beber de um só Espírito. Good morning. Um, reading from 1 Corinthians 12, it's on page 933 in your Bibles. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are, excuse me, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually just as the spirit chooses. Um, we weren't here last Sunday, and so I saw or heard Scott's um, request a little late, and uh, consequently I'm at that point where I have all kinds of ideas that are coming out of my head, but I haven't quite gotten to the point of editing them all down into something coherent. So we can all pray for brevity and clarity. <laughs> I have an outline. Let's see if I stick with it. First thing is something that's a little bit of inside baseball, as Scott likes to say. For those of you who grew up in the church, you probably heard a lot about speaking in tongues, especially if you were in any kind of Pentecostal church. Um, in, in the original day of Pentecost, this was a big Jewish festival. Pentecost predates, it just means 50, 50 tens. It's 50 days after um, after Passover. And it was a large uh, Jewish festival. There were people from all over the world in Jerusalem. And so this, the gift of tongues that was given to these people by the Holy Spirit made a lot of sense. Um, it enabled them to speak to people who spoke different languages who they wouldn't have been able to speak to otherwise. And they were given a message by God, given the message of the gospel, to speak to those uh, who were in Jerusalem and in verse 7, we see that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this is, I believe, true of, of all the spiritual gifts. These are given for the good of the church or for the good of, of, of our community. Um, there have been churches that have taught more recently um, that one has to have a gift of tongues almost, almost to be a real Christian. <laughs> and... Uh, no, no. Um, I believe it's a real gift, but unless it's given with the gift of interpretation of tongues, it makes no sense. And these tongues, generally, we're speaking about are not normal human languages. That it's, it's some kind of a divine language, and, uh, and it's a message given by God for the church. And if there's someone there to interpret it, 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 it is for the edification of the church. It, it's for the common good. Interestingly enough, the only person I've ever met who's had the gift of interpretation of tongues was the United Methodist pastor, which is an example of divine humor because United Methodists are not given to speaking in tongues. <laughs> and he told me he used to visit um, churches of his Pentecostal friends, his pastor friends, and, uh, and, and interpret, and people were generally surprised that he, he was United Methodist. Um, but that's, that's actually quite unusual. Um, some people are given a gift of, of, of a prayer language, and I think that's a different kind of beast. I can see where that makes sense. But I just want to... This is, again, kind of the inside baseball. It's, it's one of the more unusual gifts, and it doesn't have an immediate application or obvious application unless you have interpretation happening as well. Um, and it, just for those of you who may have gotten stuck on that, growing up, 
um, just to help you get over that. Many more than most of the gifts are, are, are much more subtle. Um, we may just see them as talents, uh, things that we're good at, but they're given uh, by the Spirit to help us build up our communities, to help us build up the church. Uh, knowledge, for instance, is expressed in, say, teaching. Uh, wisdom, expressed in counsel. Um, miracles, this is another one that's unusual, but and some people believe doesn't exist anymore. I wouldn't say that. I've seen, I've seen things happen that can't be explained rationally. Um, and I believe there are people who have that gift, gifts of prayer to ask for, for miracles, to ask for God's intervention. Service, that's kind of prosaic, but it's a gift. People, some people are just really good at seeing needs and, and filling them. Not something that's at all flashy, but very necessary. You need the people who are doing the background work, who aren't up front, um, who just get things done. And I think we all know those sorts of people. Uh, and they're incredibly valuable. Discernment is another one. Um, I have been in situations in places, even in churches, where I just got a distinctly bad vibe. Um, it's not something that's obvious. And it's not something that I would, I would even, I'd be very careful about even following through on it, except that um, it's been confirmed by other people. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's kind of scary when it happens in a church. But there are churches who, um, churches that have been corrupted uh, and who aren't, following God who aren't being becoming more like Jesus and, and uh, God will point that out to people uh, prophecy is another one that's uh, often gets misinterpreted we think of prophecy as foretelling the future where it's really speaking the word of God into a situation uh, which especially in the Old Testament did often have a an element of of uh, of foretelling the future, but it was more speaking God's word to his people. Um, and above all here, we see in, you know, in verse 4, there are, are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. This is very similar to the idea of, of us being all members of the same body, different parts, but all members of the same body. We all work together. We're given different gifts. We're given different roles, but we all together are the body of Christ. Uh, God isn't tricky. I, I, this, this applies in lots of situations, but you, there are, have been all kinds of you know, spiritual gifts seminars, and, and somehow if you haven't discovered your gifts, you're not, you're not uh, going to be fulfilled. Um, I believe we all need to serve in our gifts. These are the abilities God has given us that we'll be able to use to, to serve the church in ways that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, but I don't think God's tricky about it. I think we can discover our, our gifts um, because there are going to be things that we do naturally, things that we find that we do well, things that we're encouraged to do by other people. It, and, and, and on the other hand, you should, if you see something that someone is good at doing, encourage them. Let them know. Um, 
Also, it's not limited to just the list in this passage. Um, there, are, there are other gifts, lifted, gifts, gifts listed in Scripture. Uh, and uh, other gifts that may not, not be explicitly named. But uh, if you find that something that you're good at and something that's building up the church could be. Um, this is this is where it gets tricky for me because I uh, I need to close and I wanted a zinger, <laughs> something to to, to 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 put it all together. And I guess that I think that is the uh, where where I would like to close. Is serve serve in your gifts. God's not tricky. Um, pray, examine, ask those around you. Um, I think God will point out the gifts that have been given to you. And when you find them, pursue them. Go ahead. Go, go for it. Um, step out in faith and believe that God has given you these abilities and that you can use them. And that's it. Buenos días. Números capítulo 11, versículo 24 al 30. Moisés salió de allí y repitió ante el pueblo las palabras del Señor. Luego reunió a los 70 ancianos del pueblo y los hizo esperar alrededor del tabernáculo. Entonces el Señor descendió en la nube y habló con él. Tomó el espíritu que estaba en él y lo puso en los 70 ancianos. Y cuando el Espíritu se posó en ellos, comenzaron a profetizar, y no dejaban de hacerlo. En el campamento se habían quedado Eldad y Medad, dos varones sobre los cuales también se posó el Espíritu. Aunque estaban entre los escogidos, no se habían presentado en el tabernáculo. Sin embargo, comenzaron a profetizar en el campamento. Entonces, un joven fue corriendo a decirle a Moisés, el Dad y Medad están profetizando en el campamento. Josué, hijo de Nun, que era ayudante cercano de Moisés, le dijo, Moisés, mi señor, no se lo permitas. Pero Moisés le respondió, ¿Acaso tienes celos de mí? ¿Cómo quisiera yo que todo el pueblo del Señor fuera profeta? ¿Cómo quisiera yo que el Señor pusiera su espíritu sobre todo, sobre ellos? Y enseguida Moisés volvió al campamento en compañía de los ancianos de Israel. So this is Numbers 11, 24 through 30. I don't have a page number, so it's in the Bible if you want to follow along. Um, so Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Also, he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took of the spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do it again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other, Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered, but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? 
Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Um, I'm Pete, if you don't know me, and I'm essentially just going to share a couple of ways that this text challenged me as I was reading through it this week. Um, They both have to do with people kind of missing God's spirit at work uh, because they're not seeing it the right way. So my children are part of the famed artisan tiny dance troupe that's over here. Um, And on a semi-regular basis, I find myself completely caught up in what they are doing instead of what's going on over here. Um, And sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's more along the lines of, oh my goodness, they ran past the communion table. They weren't supposed to run past the communion table. Oh my goodness, they stepped on the first step. They weren't supposed to step on the first step. They're supposed to stay down there. They got their third plate of food. We asked them to only get one plate of food. Um, And this is where my mind is for the majority of worship time until they go to their class. (sighs) And I take a deep breath and attempt to get back into service. But I think this is a little bit of what's going on with Moses, or with the people around Moses in this story, is that there's, there's something very amazing happening, and they're missing it. Um, God's spirit has been put on 70 other people besides just the leader. Other people have been empowered to do God's work, and it's this great look ahead to what's coming at Pentecost. And they miss it, and one of the first reasons, I think, is because they're rule followers. So we have the young man who runs back, and, and Joshua, and they are completely caught up in is this okay? Are they supposed to be prophesying out in the camp? Uh, are they even on the list of people who are supposed to prophesy? Is, that, is this an okay thing? Are they allowed to do this? Will Moses be offended? And I think they're so caught up in that that they just missed that a miracle was happening. For them in their time, I think that the, the ways that most people recognized God was at work was prophecy and miracles. So, so to them, this should have been a major sign, like God is doing something. There's people prophesying. Um, so I think it's probably not too much of a stretch either for us to see parallels to church in the ways that we get stuck and hung up on rules and restrictions and who should be allowed in, who shouldn't be allowed in, who do we condemn, who's too far to the left, who's too far to the right, uh, what, what things do we actually agree with, do we, ba- uh, do we baptize infants or adults, and by the way, I love that our answer is yes to that question, um, and uh, what things do we believe in, and we get so hung up on these things that sometimes we miss so many opportunities for unity what we all believe, uh, so many opportunities for, oh, God's at work, and I'm hung up on this rule or this restriction. Um, I think that for me personally, um, I think if God were to come and and see me all hung up on what my kids are doing or not doing, he would probably look, and if he were to speak audibly to me, see the joy on their faces, them laughing, dancing in church, and say, would that all God's people would prophesy. Uh, this This is God at work, and sometimes I miss it. This probably isn't revelatory. I think a good part of Jesus' ministry is all about forget the rules and let's focus, not forget them. That's probably a little bit too far, but uh, let's (laughs) forget them all. Um, Let's not focus on all the little rules and let's see people and let's see opportunity and let's see room for God to be at work. He, He heals people on the Sabbath. He welcomes people who aren't part of the regular community. He speaks to people he shouldn't speak to. Um, And those are the things that Jesus shows us. The second way that I think in this story that people kind of miss God at work and miss God's spirit at work um, involves the story that's the context for this little part that I read. And if you don't know this story, it's the quail story, which is really weird. Um, so if you've ever read the quail story, it goes, it goes something like this. The people are in the desert, and they're grumbling, and they're upset. Um, they are missing Egypt where they were slaves because they're sick of being in the desert and eating manna every day. They're grumbling about the food. They're daydreaming about meat and leeks and cucumbers and garlic. Those are the ones listed in the text. Um, So 
So that, they're daydreaming about these foods, and they're grumbling and complaining. So Moses, in turn, grumbles and complains to God and said, this people, they're such a burden. I wish you would just kill me instead of doing this. <laughs> True. Um, and so God responds, and if you're a parent, you can probably identify with this response. According to the text, God responds by saying, fine, this is my paraphrase, fine, if you want meat, I'll give you meat, not just for one day or two days but, or five days, but for a full month until it's coming out of your nostrils. And the, the out-of-the-nostrils thing is in there. So, at that point, it pauses, and God puts his spirit on 70 elders, and they prophesy in the camp. And then it comes back to the quail, and the next day, God, a wind blows in quail. They fall on the ground, the people eat them, and the people who eat the quail die. That's the story. They, they bury the people, and they call the place the grave of craving, and they move on to the next place. This is a either confusing, disturbing, or weird story, however you look at it, uh, depending on your interpretation. I mean, are they, are they just trying to find a way to explain why people died from eating bad meat? Was God really upset with them? And he, did, he really, did he really send these quail as a punishment for the grumbling and complaining? And I'm not going to answer any of those questions. I'm simply going to say that I feel like we can agree that there's trouble in Israel. They are, they are troubled. They are grumbling and complaining. They're upset with their lot. They're upset with Moses. Moses is upset with them. And a terrible thing just happened to a whole bunch of people. Um, and this is where I find some encouragement in the story because I think we can identify with a nation that's troubled, divided, grumpy with each other, upset with each other, um, that a lot of us see a whole lot of problems. It's quick, and quick to find difficulty in the news when we read it. I mean, in the midst of this type of thing, God put his spirit on 70 people and his spirit moved, and it previewed this amazing time of Pentecost when all of us would have access to God's spirit. On a personal level, I will say that when I was reading this, I was challenged because um, Bridget and I, I feel like for the last year, it's probably been one of our most difficult years of marriage, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Um, like the people of Israel, it, it feels like we are walking through thick desert sand, like we're parched, like we're dry, our spirits are thirsty. It feels like it's a repetition the same day of, every, of manna, same boring manna every day, the same thing coming every day. But I also know that if we open our eyes a little bit and look, God's spirit's at work in small things. When we actually sit down, talk, and actually discuss things that have been happening, you can see like God's spirit at work. So the second way I'm challenged is to not be a person who looks back and only sees the quail thing, the terrible thing. It's, it's legitimately a terrible thing. Um, but then my eyes are open to see that God's at work, that his spirit is at work, um, and that we are post-Pentecost, as Scott said, and that we are people all who have access to that spirit. Wow. Well, big, big thanks to Ben and Alicia and Joel and Ken and Dowling and Pete, um, this has been a real treat to, to listen to. And um, boy, I, I believe that God's Spirit is present among us and in and through you who shared and in all of us who listened. Um, I've hinted at it a couple times today, and I often say that the, the coming of the Spirit on the church was, was the great leveling of the playing field. Everybody who was there got it. And um, time and time again in the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit doing work in people. 
and the church having to react and say, oh, I didn't know they were in. I guess they are now, that kind of thing. The Holy Spirit is the leveling of the playing field. Um, And I say the same thing sometimes about Holy Communion, uh, which we have the privilege of uh, celebrating and partaking in now together. Uh, Jesus offers himself to us all. And uh, we do not put a fence around the table where we find his body and blood laid. Uh, We extend the invitation to come and receive him to all people who wish to follow him and trust in him today. You don't need to be a member of our church uh, or of any church. You simply need to be um, a member of Christ's body. And you do that through faith and through your intention to follow where he leads. And so if that's you, this table is for you. Come and receive the bread. Pick up a piece that's broken, remembering Christ's body broken for you. And dip it in the wine or the juice, remembering Christ's blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. And then you can take and eat it, remembering his sacrifice, proclaiming his death and resurrection until he returns receiving food for your hungry spiritual souls and proclaiming your intention to live in unity with all the people who God has called to this table. Some of you might not like. Some of you might not wish would have been called in the first place. Some of you might disagree with. Undoubtedly in a room this size, you're going to disagree with lots of them. Um, but the beauty of the spirit being given to the church is that we are all one body. And uh, so our table is open now for all who would seek to come to it and receive from Christ his gift of grace. Uh, We'll have a member of the prayer team who will be at the back of the room if you'd like to receive personal prayer. And um, your children are welcome to take communion with you. Please go get them from their classrooms if uh, if you haven't already. Um, This is the time when it would be good to get them either before or right after you take communion. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up as I close in prayer, and then we will uh, celebrate communion together. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you, we lift you up, we give you great thanks for the gift of your grace, for the power of your Spirit, and we pray that that power would be um, falling on us again and again, filling us every day to do the work of your Son, Jesus Christ whose body we are, whose grace is our sustaining power, whose life is our life. Be with us now and always, we pray. Amen. Our table is open. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.